0: Residency can be such a letdown when it comes to building your financial foundation, but it truly doesn't have to be that way. If you're a physician wanting to take control over your financial future and take back the freedom you deserve, come hang out with this money nerd. No long hours or sleepless nights. Just you, me, and the Financial Residency Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Inman, and welcome back to the show. I am really excited to bring to you today's co-host, who is Dr. Tarang Patel. He is a diagnostic radiologist and hosts the popular podcast, Dr. Money Matters. Like myself, he is passionate about financial education for physicians. I've always wanted to have him on the show, and apparently he wanted me on his. So we are excited to have a combined show today and do both the interviewing and the answering of questions. In this episode, we're going to get into the financial independence retire early or fire concept we're also going to discuss the corporatization of medicine, how tough the road to financial independence really is, and why you really need to stop and just enjoy the journey. According to Dr. Patel, in spite of starting your careers later than your peers, which obviously gives you a shorter time to reach those goals, there's a lack of financial education while starting out and then all of a sudden having this huge pay increase, financial independence retire early or at least the financial independence and continuing your career on your own terms is definitely achievable. We just need to start somewhere. First, you're going to notice that this starts a bit different than our normal shows as I let him introduce the interview and to his audience first. But either way, I think you're going to love the show. So let's jump right in and talk with Dr. Tarang Patel.
1: okay welcome to the dr money matters podcast got a very uh, interesting and a special show today i'm doing a combined show with ryan inman host of the financial residency podcast and ryan and i cover some similar topics and so we always wanted to do a show with each other but you know we decided after talking we're like we're going to do a combined show so we are co-hosting so i'll introduce myself Tarang patel radiologist in phoenix arizona who hosts the Doctor Money Matters podcast? And I've always been interested in uh, financial topics. And then I'm going to allow Ryan to introduce himself.
0: Yeah, uh, you know I'm excited to to do this with you and to have kind of a, a joint show and be interviewed while also interviewing. So this is going to be pretty fun. But Ryan Inman, host of the Financial Residency podcast and fee-only financial planner at Physician Wealth Services. And uh, you know, Tarang, let's just kind of jump right into this and and hit the first thing I think you and I have chatted on quite extensively is we'll say doctors on fire or doctors trying to achieve fire. So we don't cross any, maybe marketing pitches here, (laughs) but let's talk about your, at least as a physician, your thoughts on the fire movement and how that maybe impacts physicians.
1: So it's a good topic because a lot of people, have been hearing about the FIRE movement, not just for physicians, but for everyone. So let's define FIRE. FIRE is uh, financial independence, retiring early. I think most of our listeners know that, but for those who haven't got into this topic yet, that's the basic background. So physicians, doctors, and dentists, whoever are trying to achieve this, are in a unique position because we start later in our um, working careers where we actually start making money. And so we start later we generally have significantly more debt so we have a much shorter time span in terms of a professional career to achieve our financial goals the positive side is we generally start out with much higher incomes after training than the average american so you know it's definitely an achievable goal for most physicians in a shorter time span than i would say the average working career for the average working american but it's also it requires a lot more concentrated effort and that's because i think we're so out of acquiring any financial knowledge when we're in training and when we're in medical school and then we we're kind of like that to a much smaller scale that nba player who gets out of college and gets dumped with a bunch of money and they really don't have any idea what to do with it um so that that's one thing but the fire movement itself for physicians is interesting because I love the idea of financial independence, and no no matter what, you know, the retiring early part is an area of contention amongst many physicians. Some will tell you that it's great because you can work for five years if you're in a high-paying specialty after your training, uh, bank a lot of income, and then you should be set. Others will tell you, and other physicians have said this, is that, you know, you spend all this time and energy in acquiring these skills and knowledge why would you want to quit after five years? Most people will tell you that after five years or 10 years, whatever, you're kind of then at your clinical peak. So once you finish training, you learn everything, the textbook way to do it. When you are in residency and then specifically as an attending, you really start learning the realities of medicine. And it takes you a few years definitely to ramp up to peak efficiency. And so other people would say, Why would you want to give that up? Because that's when you're really starting to become the best doctor. So, you know, my take is if you want to retire, that's great. I personally am not planning on doing that. I want to continue my uh, medical career, but maybe doing it more on my own terms. And I think that's the goal of most people.
0: Yeah. And speaking with a lot of physicians and we start talking through what's important, their goals and, and these things, I have not really been told like I got into medicine to make money. That's not been the main driver. It's been to help people and, and to be viewed as uh, someone who's giving back to the community. It's not driven by, I want to be a doctor because I think doctors are super rich and I'm going to make a billion bucks and retire on a beach. All like right. one that doesn't happen unless you make money outside of medicine. Right. But it's so I look at the fire movement. Maybe it's a little controversial, but sometimes I view the fire movement as kind of sad where it's people trying to escape their current life because they made maybe a series of bad decisions to get there or just went through life without a plan, without some goal, goal planning, if if you will, you know, and then all of a sudden kind of woke up and was like, oof, I hate my life. This is really bad. Corporate America stinks. I get told by friends all the time, man, my boss did this, or I can't believe they, they got rid of XYZ program and now I'm going to make less money. Like, you know, I need to stick it to the man and it's, You look at it, it's like, well, you made those decisions, and if you're not making the decision that make you happiest, maybe you should rethink what you're doing. Gary Vaynerchuk says it is, if you're so excited for Friday afternoon to come, then 65% of your life is spent doing something you hate. Right. You're kind of doing the wrong thing.
1: You know, that's exactly right. And when doctors got into medical school and when they were thinking about becoming a physician, you never really thought about the actual practice of medicine, right? You thought about all the great stuff. You're going to learn a lot of science. You're going to learn some cool things. You're going to save lives. Like you said, you're going to do good for the community. The change in medical practice that has occurred in the last 15 to 20 years, and it's all, everything's always changed, so I'm not trying to say that our generation has it worse than prior, you know, whatever, but the corporatization of medical practice, the, you know, we have now become just like every other uh, worker in America. And so doctors are employees to a much greater extent than they've ever been. So I think they may have been insulated from some of these pressures Previously, the corporate type pressures that you're talking about, um, but they're feeling it now. And, you know, some some statistic uh, is something like 75 or 80 percent of graduating physicians now are working as employees, either for a hospital, for a practice, whatever. The number of people in private practice is steadily decreasing, you know, over as as, as older physicians retire, but more so specifically as new people go in as employed uh, physicians. And so they start feeling that same pressure and so I think it's that level that they didn't anticipate, right? You didn't think about those kind of things 10 years ago when you were applying to medical school. And so I think that level of pressure has accelerated the burnout thing because it's not just, uh, and the fire movement probably, because it's not just about financial independence, retiring early uh, from a strict finance side of it. It's also just about the burnout side of it. Like, this is not what I thought I was going to get into. And, and so that's where I like the fire movement. The FI part of it is so then you can kind of, once you get there or are on that path, you can start structuring your, um, your lifestyle to make you happier. And I don't think most physicians would say that they want to quit medicine, the clinical part of medicine, but it's all those other administrative pressures and practice pressures that you can't control that are really driving physicians to, you know, look for other things. Yeah.
0: Well, I think it's also important to look at who's holding the megaphone, right? And this is always something I've had maybe a little bit of issue with is other physicians who blog or podcast is they have a very different entrepreneurial maybe mindset. They want Mm -hmm. to create content. They want to help others, but monetize it in a way that uh, this replaces maybe being a doctor, whereas not everyone wants that. And so some people think the only way to do this is by following people who are successful at it. And it's awesome that they are successful, but that's not the only way. That doesn't mean that the fire movement requires you to all of a sudden start a blog, a podcast, a YouTube (laughs) channel, monetize by writing books, and those things it means if that's your outlet and that's maybe what you view as your highest and best use and that you can do that well great it also might mean that instead of working you know full time that when you hit 5 instead of the retire piece maybe you decide that you're going to go help uh like how Dr. Cory Fossa did uh he was he went out to rural Uh, areas and gave those physicians a break. And he loved it because he went in, he got help. He met everyone. I mean, he's a real social guy. Everyone obviously loved him and he was providing a service, got paid for it, did what his highest and best use was as a surgeon, and then was able to kind of then go, okay, I'm not going to work for four, five, six weeks because he had already hit financial independence. So uh, I think there's all different kind of shades of that, but I'm really into the the five part. I love that piece. And as a planner, that excites me. The retire early, I I look at it as like retiring to what? What is it that you want to do? Because at least in the hundreds of conversations I've had with physicians, it's not, I need to get out of here because medicine is terrible. It's maybe something, a part of medicine that maybe is fixable. But when you get stuck, I did actually a show with Dr. Jeff Smith on burnout and he was saying that burnout is the way to write the ship. It tells you something's wrong, and then it's up to you to, to kind of discover what piece of that's wrong, and then what are the steps to fix it?
1: Right, right. I, it's exactly right. I, I think most of us, like I said, would say that the part of medicine that we practice, the actual part that we're doing, for me, you know, it's reading images, for surgeons, it's operating. They like that part. That's the part they want to do more of. It's the all the other extraneous stuff. And so, like you said, if you reach past financial uh, independence aspect, you can tailor however you want. The journey of getting there is, is tough. And I think that no one really thinks about that part of it when they're in medical school. But when you get out and you've got that $400,000 loan burden eating at you, plus you have that expected doctor house, and you know now you want to finally drive that nice car because you've been driving an old beater for X amount of years... It's tough, man, that delayed gratification. I mean, we're good at it as most physicians, but after a while, we also see the flip side of things because I see a, a movement now amongst the fire community as a whole to be ultra frugal. I kind of find that a little bit off-putting myself just because life is short. And at, at some point, you gotta you got to enjoy the journey, not just always looking for the destination.
0: Uh, and that's the part that blows my mind. Physicians are so smart and you see potentially depends on your field and specialty, but like you potentially see death all the time. Right. So, so then you're right. going to go hyper frugal and basically, and I, and I'm, I say this candidly, but like, you're almost like hating your life because you spend so little right. to save for a future that then you can go enjoy it. Whereas, you know, I know, I know that there's, there's other physician bloggers that talk about fat fire and being able to actually spend, a little yeah. bit more than the 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 national average in in spending uh household right. spending every year. That's the part I think I'd be interested in but the ultra frugal and the I'm going to retire with 900,000 in the in investments because I spend 16,000 a year.
1: <laughs> yeah. That sounds yeah. terrible. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. I'm like I don't have any aspiration of that. I would rather work a few many more years and, and on my terms and not worry about that kind of thing. So Ryan, I think we're going to be now known as firefighters Oh, based on, uh, what we're talking about fire. So Does that mean, I
0: get to like, look like I'm really muscular too. Cause I'm
1: like, <laughs> not that. So listen, no one's going to ask for, uh, the Dr. Money Matters, uh, firefighting calendar. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I,
0: one, I agree. Cause I will not be doing that, but two, I don't, I'm pretty sure you do. If it was, you'd sell more than I would have financial residency here. <laughs> That's fine.
1: So The main thing, though, that we both agree on and and all of us bloggers are trying to achieve and podcasters are trying to achieve is educating physicians on on Mm -hmm. these topics. Right. So whether you want to fire or whether you just want to get financially independent, you know, the the, the initial steps are the same. Right. We're always talking about uh, not spending like crazy when you're a resident. You know, we're talking about uh, trying to keep your loans in check, uh, lowest interest rates, public loan forgiveness, if you can, you know, go that route and then, you know, getting insurance, those types of things. What are some of the common things that you're seeing? Because you deal with a lot of early career physicians. What are some of the things that you're seeing that they're still not getting? You know, yeah. that, that nugget of information that they, even though we seem to think that it's out there quite a bit, they're maybe but they're missing it still.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the two biggest things I see is one lifestyle creep, like you finish training, all of a sudden you're making really solid money. You've delayed. And I'm like a part of this. I totally get it. My wife and I have been together since freshman year of college. So med school, residency, three years fellowship. Like I'm, I'm with you feeling poor all the way. <laughs> right. right. I get it. And, you know, student loans and, and all that good stuff. But when you finish, and, and I know that White Coat's talking about live like a resident, and there's some other fun sayings out there, uh, you know, take a financial fellowship and, and all that, but it still isn't sinking in it really isn't because when i see people come to me or reach out to me um i get emails all the time hey ryan i love this post or this podcast here's my situation what would you what do you think and you know it's it's really it's the same stuff they overspent they overcommitted they bought two we give a house they bought the tesla or two really yeah you, yeah you got $3000 worth of car payments that's a problem right, right? You know, it's, it's that overspending and I see it because I'm like all my friends, they went maybe the, to grad school, but they've been out working, uh, you know, for eight, 10 years. And my wife is just now, you know, this is a couple of years ago, but just now right. starting a career. Think of right. all the savings that they've had in 401ks and right. raises. you know, right. you start so far behind, you're going to get compensated with the salary, but don't overspend. Like I, I look at it as give yourself a 50% raise. And, yeah. And, and then and you still
1: be able to save quite a bit.
0: I, I mean, people in corporate America would be like jaw on the floor if they got a 50% raise. Right. 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 So like, I, you know, and you're still going to be able to save, even if you're a pediatrician, even if you're in a high cost living area, like I'm married to one and we live in a high cost of area. <laughs> like I'm with you on this, yeah. but you know, that is probably the number one thing I still see. But the second thing, and I think ultimately becomes the most important because we can fix, this lifestyle inflation, it might sting and, st- right. it, you know, and really stink for a few years if you racked up a ton of credit card and whatever. Right. But if you don't look at the behavior side of money, why are you doing the things you're doing? Yes, you want to be a doctor and and you are a doctor, right? But And you're helping people. But why are you getting out of bed to earn money? What is that money used for? Right? You're not just, and, and I joke about this all the time with people, like I've never been told I just, I just want to earn a bunch of money and then die with it. Right. (laughs) I have never been told that. So, you know, every time it's, it's, I, it, maybe I do want to hit financial independence and work on my own terms. I want to be able to, to stop and write a book and take a sabbatical. I want to travel the world and see, you know, the pyramids and the great barrier reef and those kind of things. Everyone's got something that they want to do, or I want to be able to take care of my kids. so They don't have student debt like we had. Right. I, I hear those things. So setting some emotion behind it, whereas physicians, you're kind of, it's, it sounds like a horrible analogy and I, I honestly hate saying it, but it's the way that I felt like we were as a physician family for so mm-hmm. many years is we just had the carrot in front of us. And it yeah. was like, you get close and it's like, ha, nice try, right? You go, oh, it just finished college. My wife crushed it, had like, you know, amazing GPA, got into KU. Okay, good. Here's four more years of a carrot. Okay, right. now you're now you're done. Great. Here's three more years of a fellowship. <laughs> Almost there. Almost there. Oh, nope. Three more years of a fellowship. It's like, when are we done? Right. Right. And then you finally finish. And now it's like, well, now I can really start my career. I'm gonna be the best doctor I can. I use all this training to do the great things, but then you don't stop and and I don't want to say like smell the roses, but you don't stop and think, what direction am I heading? for what I really want. It's just like, Oh, I just want the big car, the big house and like to start spending and get all this instant gratification because I've delayed it so long. And I think that's why the lifestyle creep really, really happens. So,
1: yeah, uh, it's, it's true. Sorry. I was just going to say that basically, You know exactly what you're describing is that we have these things. You got to do well in high school to get into a good college. You got to do well, you know, to get into a good med school. You got to do well to get into a good residency. You got to do well to get. We have all these prescribed paths that we have to take, and then once you get out, other than the income boost, uh, and you know, if you're at a prestigious place, that the level of prestige, then it becomes a more ambiguous path, right? You don't know exactly where, and you you've gone from a very well defined map. To something that's kind of like, okay, now what? And then that's where people start getting into that. Well, okay, now at least I'm making money so I can do the other doctor things that I'm supposed to do is get the, you know, like you described, the house, the car. It's, but you're right. Those are kind of like the expected things. And you kind of have to start thinking about, okay, beyond that, I mean, yes, let's account for that to get into the financial good habits. But beyond that, where are you seeing what you're doing? What happens? And I think a lot of physicians that I've talked to, because their more mid-career physicians are kind of in that zone now. They're like, okay, you know, I've, I've been practicing for five to 10 years now. What is my goal now? And they, these are not the people who are thinking about retiring early. They're trying to figure out what is the stage? Because now there's no longer that, okay, I need to reach for something. You're pretty much there. You're at that peak now of your physician skills, your earnings, things like that. But a lot of them are starting to look outside for different challenges. And so that's an issue that I think uh, I wanted to talk to you about is what are mid-career physicians, once they've paid off their loans, they've gotten into the house that they think that they're going to be in for a while. What are some of the things that you're telling those type of physicians, ongoing things that they need to be on the lookout for uh, advice that you give?
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, to, to really quickly recap what you were saying is the, you know, the, the challenges you want to be challenged by something else. You know, what, what right. happens when you take the top 1% of the smartest people on the planet and push them through this rat race or maze of set challenges and then go, okay, you're free. Everyone scatters and, and starts doing their own thing. And right. I think that's where, and this is, so, so we're not called firefighters. Let's, let's actually go back. There. <laughs> this is the part of fire and the whole movement that I am in love with. Because yes. it actually gets some of these physicians to wake up. And it might happen where they're early career, it might be mid, and it might be late. But this is where I see the light bulb go off and go, uh-oh, we haven't been doing what we want to be doing. We're mm-hmm. not spending in a way that we want to be spending. We're not doing the things that bring us the ultimate happiness. So I'm a registered life planner, and I kind of merge the behavior side and the finance side together this isn't mm-hmm. just throw some stuff in a calculator and call it a day the stuff that we're working on ongoing which i think is where you're going with this yeah is yeah. more the behavioral side okay i now know i've got a plan in place we've built a strong financial foundation great sounds good now where are we going we got to add layers to this house we're building a really strong picture of ultimately that will be retirement where do we go from here? How do we implement some of these things? So great. You've crushed your student debt. Good for you. My average client's 283000 <laughs> Anyone that crushes it, and we I know personally we were at one hundred eighty, dollars um, right. and that was with my wife basically work, living at home and in-state tuition, and it's expensive, and it's yeah. going to get worse. Uh, I think we do actually really have a student loan crisis coming. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm fearful for my kids and what that looks like just for undergrad, but looking at Let's say mid career physicians that wake up really, this is mostly the fire movement that's doing this. I'm not seeing them say, I want to retire early. I'm seeing them saying, I want control back over my life. I want yes. to do the things that I want to do. So we get a plan in place, and now it's time to merge money and life and the, the joy and the happiness or what does that ideal life look like? And it's starting to put it into motion. So let's look at like maybe cash flow and spending. Even if they have plenty of money in their you know, saving a bunch of money, wherever it goes, it could go to their taxable accounts, maxing out IRAs, whatever. They still have some money left over. Do you want to have some type of legacy? You know, are, Are you trying to put something in motion to give back to the community? Is it fully paying off your kid's school, funding 529s? We need to actually understand how much you're spending and are you spending it in a way that makes you happiest? And I can tell you, most people who get there, they're actually not spending enough. Because they're freaked out going, I'm not saving enough money. I need to live not off ramen, but we're in a house that we love. Great. We're starting to pay that off aggressively. But, you know, I'm a huge college football fan and I want to go to this football game. But I don't want to spend the money to get there because like the <laughs> money could be used for in 15 years when I retire. That's like right. maybe a month less I have to work. Right. It's like, well, you make maybe four or five, six hundred thousand a year and you guys aren't spending that much. Here's the permission to go spend. So it's not just throw stuff in a calculator, give them a plan and good luck. It's working through some of those behavior and the psychology of around money, which is the most fascinating to me.
1: And it's like the most challenging, I think, because like you said, people tend to get in their habits, whether it's like ultra aggressively saving or spending and you having to help them rein it in. It's tough. It's like diet and exercise. It's simple, but it's hard to execute. So uh, I think those are uh, good points. One of the books that I read a few years ago, when I was you know starting to think about all this, was this book called uh, "Happy Money." It's by this PhD psychologist, and and she did research on what makes people the happiest and how to spend and things like that. And you know we've ca- all kind of seen bits about it about spending on experiences, x amount of money over. I think it was like seventy five thousand or one hundred thousand. That was like the peak of most people's happiness. And then beyond that, it was they started getting a little bit more stressed about it and things like that. So you know, yeah, I agree. I find it fascinating. But I also find it interesting because there's a lot of physicians hanging out with other physicians. And then they tend to, there's a lot of peer pressure in terms of spending and things like that. Do you see that uh, as, as, as a spouse of a physician? You know, I'm sure you guys socialize with not just on your professional side with you working with physicians, but as, as a social thing, hanging out with a bunch of physicians.
0: I'm the crazy guy that hangs out with doctors and works with doctors, but is not a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) So our whole social circle is pretty much physicians with a very few like planners mixed in the, in there. Other than that, it's me and a, bunch of doctors. So of course, when you guys all get together, you want to talk about like how you tap some kid's head or some crazy <laughs> case. And I'm like going immediately visual, of the worst thing ever uh, on this. But yeah, I, I think it one, I think it becomes an ego chamber. The one of those things that I hear is, and it could be anything. Let's just pick on planners real quick. Cause mm-hmm. I can pick on myself right. as you guys look, Oh, this guy was great. You should work with him. Well, what about it was great. And why would I want to work with that person? Right? is it because he specializes in what I do uh, mm-hmm. and he knows this is what he what he does or is it because you had a positive experience and you don't really understand where physicians kind of fall prey to each other is that eco chamber where it's oh well if it's good enough terrain it's good enough for me right that shouldn't be how it works now the, you guys do this with a lot of things it's not just planning I just want to pick yeah. on that to yeah, so, yeah, yeah someone yeah. else didn't write in and be like why'd you pick right. on me but you know that kind of behavior extends into how you spend money as well right well trang has got a nice model x tesla and he's a radiologist and i know he podcasts from his (laughs) office in there but no actually i'm a little disappointed because like when i think a radiologist i'm thinking you x-ray vision future proof the guys that are like pushing (laughs) out some really strong content And i'm like do you guys work at all (laughs) like, <laughs> and I almost half thought you were going to podcast from there, but
1: I know. Uh, unfortunately, I
0: know. he's he's at home for all of us that can't see it. So I have uh, to work
1: tonight. See, right, see, there, I'm just going to dispel the myth that radiologists have a nice cush eight to five schedule. No, no, no I'm working uh, four to midnight tonight. So there you go. You know.
0: Okay, you 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 you're holding the flag. You're, you're holding the fort down here. <laughs> But yeah, I think when we look at it, it's it's the behavior side on this, it is influenced by people that you're around. And I did a show with Nick True on on the aspects of how emotion and basically you are the five people, you are a combo yeah. of the five people that you're around, yeah. right? Really? And it was the emotion right. around that. And and that's true. You know, if, if you're out with a bunch of people who like to spend and go out to fine dining, you know, or spending, you know, four or $500 a, a weekend, which is absolutely normal for right. these people uh right. you know on food right. and beer you're gonna feel the same way and get trapped in that and that's yeah. maybe not the best place for you so yeah absolutely in physician circles seeing this kind of thought and echo chamber and, and all that really plays a big role and i think that's something that if you are caught up in that maybe the fire movement and you know it yeah, you know, might
1: be a good can help good
0: spark chamber. you know a, a change
1: Right. It, it's funny. It's funny because I, I see a very significant discrepancy in my real life social circles and the various social media groups that I'm on uh, relating to uh, finance. It's, you know, significantly discrepant Now, uh, a lot of our, our friends here are dual physicians doing very well. So, that, you know, it's not an issue for them. And, and none of them are really looking for the retirement early. And I, I, you know, we all talk informally about this kind of stuff. And and most of them are very good with putting uh, money aside so that they can do what they want to do, and I, that's what I, I I think is great. Is that, yeah, you don't have to retire early. And I think, like you said, that you know, in the various Facebook groups, the podcasts, uh, we we kind of do get a skewed vision that every physician is just looking to get out and 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 get out as quickly as possible. It's not true. Most of us are are, are very happy with what we are doing. We just want to be happier with how it's being done, and we want to be. In more control, and I think that's what we are talking about. In, in in general, is that the financial independence part of it lets us achieve a semblance of control because we can then kind of start doing things on our own terms. Let me let me ask you uh, some some things about these different groups. You you run uh, the financial residency group. I run the Doctor Money Matters group, and then we're both part of a lot of overlapping finance groups. What are some of the things? I mean, I think some of the same questions that we see all the time are. Should I invest? Should I pay down loans? Should I do this kind of thing? What are some of the topics that you want to caution people on? Um, I think I'll, I'll give you an example. For me, I feel like there's a lot in these different groups. There's a lot of people looking for some alternative to the stock market. And I'm not saying I'm advocating people investing in the stock market or not. It just it feels like I don't know if they're just scared of the stock market or what. or They just want something different. And so they're willing to throw money at other things. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little leery of that part of it for them.
0: So it comes back to when you see volatility in something, maybe, and maybe they're invested too aggressively. We have no idea, but when you see volatility in money in motion, emotions start to get higher and higher and people start to look other places and the danger, and it's not just the physician bloggers and podcasters alike, it's, it's everyone that is producing content. They're trying to find ways to monetize what they're doing, right? right. So then, and, and, you, and I'm really getting at is affiliates and sponsorships and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they might say, Hey, I believe in this, or, Hey, I invest in this, but really what it is, or in and they, and they might actually be doing it, but really what it is, is this is a way for me to monetize my site. You guys are all asking for what can I do outside the stock market? Well, here's five things you can do. By the way, I'm going to earn a commission. Doesn't tell you, Hey, I'm going to earn a ton of commission. Yeah, let's pick on the student loan refinances because that's I think what my answer would be is start reading stuff. People have no idea what's going on in other people's lives. You and you want to go and ask people. Here's five sentences about me. What should I do with my loans that are three hundred thousand dollars? Whoa, that is a loaded question because there is so many things that factor in where you live, what you make, how many dependents can you go for PSLF or not? Where are you at in your career? Did you already have four years of PSLF and then take a job for $40,000 more, but you could go get a job for $40,000 less five miles from you at another hospital and get back into PSLF. Like I have no idea. So when you start to look at these things and people are just throwing out all sorts of recommendations, that's scary. It's really yeah. scary. I'm all about crowdsourcing, getting some good info, but relying on it is, is really scary because there's so much that goes into these things. And so let's pick on student loan refinance. I mean, you know it. It's all over. Mm-hmm. SoFi, First Republic, Credible, Common Bond, blah, 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 blah. They're all everywhere. And everyone's got links to it and saying, you should refinance right. here and $500 back. And they don't know what you're doing. They don't know if it's best for you. And I'm going to tell you, when you click the link, Common Bond or one of these other companies, not to pick on them because they're all going to yep. do this, they right. have no idea what you're doing, your situation. They're going to run your credit. They're going to go, yep, you have student debt. You're a decent borrower. You haven't defaulted. We're going to give you this interest rate. You should refinance with us. We have the best rates. Well, they're all going to tell you they do. Some right. do, some don't. But the the bloggers and the podcasters, like, they're giving you the ability to get there. Maybe some cash back, but all they're doing is marketing for that company and that's totally fine but to take all the recommendations and say oh because xyz said i should refinance that's the best option cuz it right. most likely isn't and you need to do a whole lot more research especially on student debt before you decide i need a
1: refinance Right, right. I think that's that's ex- that's a very good point. Uh, know this: there is money being made. I, I actually don't do any advertising on my podcast, but that's not. I'm not denigrating anyone who does. But yes, and some of them are pretty open about it, the, saying that they do get an affiliate sponsorship or what, whatever. However, they get paid, you know, for advocating for a certain company. So it, it, we're not saying that this is a hidden thing, but not everyone is aware. So I'm glad you brought that up. And then, you know, it's the same thing. Like when we see a patient, you take a complete history. You don't just say, I have this symptom. So what should I do? Like, you know, going to Google or WebMD or something I'm like that. I'm going
0: to WebMD real quick because that's what everyone thinks that uh, you know exactly. is, is good for financial. Oh, I just read this on Google. It's good. Like, right, okay, it right. might be good for some people, maybe half the right. population. But are you part of the half or not?
1: Yeah. I, I think that's, you bring up a really good point is that there is, you know, everything needs to be analyzed a, a little bit in more detail and, and not everyone necessarily wants to have the time. And, and maybe for a very specific question, it might be okay, but for a global picture of your overall financial health, I think you're, you're right. All factors kind of play into that. And so, so, that,
0: so let's go and say, what is something that maybe is okay to look at? And I would say understanding the backdoor Roth. Okay? Yes, yeah. that is really cookie cutter. That's something that everyone listening, if you spend some time and effort, you can easily understand that concept, and it's almost right for everyone. Not, right. not I shouldn't say everyone, but it's right, really close. And but, it, yeah. but that's something you could Google and go, okay, that's an unbiased opinion. I should probably look at figuring out how I can do that. Maybe I've got money in my traditional that I need to shove to my employer, you know, right. uh, and 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 roll it into. The TSP or my 401k, so I can open that up. Now right. I could do this cookie cutter. Physician on Fire has got a great walkthrough of this. Yeah, that's literally all you need, and you're done. Right. right. That is something I'm like, if you go Google that, cool. You Google physician mortgages, you can understand what they are. But it, you know, if you come to financial residency, and I've got, uh, I know I have a post on this, and you read my post, I don't say, Oh, and you should do this, and this is the best option for you, and this is why you need to do it. I say, This is what it is. Right. right. This is the facts behind it. Now it's up to you to take those and maybe from 20 other sources, read it so you understand it and then go, is this right for me? Should I really put 0% down or five or 10% down on a home? Right. If you ask me, I'm gonna say, Well, I've got 14 more questions for you. Right. Right. But you ask in even in our groups or Um, you know, so I've got financial residency and physician finance. Those are, those are my groups. And if if you ask in there, you're going to get a whole ton of, of people commenting and some of them are really smart people, Yeah. but they don't know your situation. And the smart ones say, I don't know your full situation, but if it's something like this, this is what I would do in your situation. But I see all the time people, this is what we did and this worked for me. It's great, but be careful. So yeah. if, if out of this last 10 minutes of you and I talking on this, my takeaway for everyone that I hope you take away is be skeptical. It's okay that people monetize. I want them to, because they're right. going to keep producing good content for all of you to listen. You know, right. maybe Trang and I don't monetize or we should monetize. Cause I promise you, this takes a lot of time and effort to <laughs> yeah. do podcasting yeah. like and blogging and, and everything else we're doing. But I do this instead of watching TV. This is, right. this is my outlet. I, I love it. And, I know all of our friends that went through residency, like I was there to help, you know, unofficially, but they don't have that. And or they or you're not married to a financial planner. It's going to be honest and tell you, so how could I get the message out? And I know that's a motivation for you is to get good, right. honest, right. unbiased information out. It's okay right. that people monetize, but just Absolutely. please be skeptical of what you see before you're like, I need to do this because Terang said it's good.
1: Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, I, I just want exactly like you said. We want awareness, and and I do think yeah, uh, I'm I'm happy that physicians are, are and any blogger is making money from these things. But right, exactly what you said. Take a critical analysis of your own situation because they're not doing that. Some of them will admit it. They're not doing that. So I think that's a key point in any aspect that we're doing. Uh, any aspect of your overall life, whether it's finance or not, you always have to take a critical analysis of those kind of things. Good. So let me ask you this: uh, What are your goals with your podcast? I just saw you hundred thousand downloads. Congratulations! Yeah, thank you. Uh, that's awesome. Where's your podcast? Uh, what are you doing with your podcast? And I know you have you have a new podcast starting also. Yep. Tell me a little bit about what's going on with that.
0: Yeah. So uh, financial residency, thanks to all of you listening, has hit a hundred thousand downloads. It is way exceeded my expectations, <laughs> my goal, and I think I. Tend to at least in my normal goal setting, you know, when I when I look at uh, what are the next three, six, twelve months, I tend to set aggressive goals because if they're too easy, then what's the fun uh, right. in that? So I set the goal when I first launched. And it took me forever. I know we chat on this, but it took me forever to actually get the courage to podcast, and that that's the truth. Like I'm mostly introverted, so uh, <laughs> to to do that, it was it was a big decision. It took more than a year. I don't want to actually say how long because it's kind of (laughs) embarrassing like it was really closer to two years uh that i i did it but the goal was 500 downloads a show that was it i was like i will have achieved success that i know i helped 500 people and uh yeah now that we're getting like close to 2000 or around 2000 a show i just found out one of our friends message and was like hey you're in the top 200 podcasts if for business i was like what in all of this so like yeah, it's, wow. just, it's exceeded my my expectations. So it's, it's here to continue to provide unbiased quality content similar to what your show is doing. We have a second show that just came out, Money Care Specialists, where we're taking all of healthcare. Um, we're not just segregating to doctors. I still do talk a lot about doctors on that show, but we're doing financial health assessments. So we're looking at what are your goals? What are your incomes and expenses and insurances? I'm literally creating a fake financial plan. And then my buddy Tim Baker and I—he uh, hosts the Your Financial Pharmacist podcast—and we're looking at and going like, Tim, if or Ryan, if someone walked into your office today and said, "Here's my financial situation," how would you start planning that person? And so we're trying to get some practical knowledge and being able to relate it. So you hear all the great things on a backdoor Roth. Well, now we're going to say like, when would a situation that you would do that or not do that? And then I crazy. And I created the Physician Finance Minute, which is an Alexa skill uh, for a flash (laughs) briefing, which means if you have an Alexa device, if you're one of the hundred million people that have bought one that is an Alexa enabled, you can tell Alexa to enable the Physician Finance Minute. And every day you will hear me for one minute, give you one quick digestible
1: tip to help you conquer your finances. Very nice. Very nice. Cool. Cool. Well, that, that sounds awesome. I think, uh, I I really do enjoy uh, listening to your show. I know we do cover uh, some overlap, but, um, you know, it's always good to get some different perspectives on finance topics. And I I do like the, uh, you know, the unbiased information out there. So definitely check out your Alexa skill. I have a a couple of uh, uh, Alexas around the house, so I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to ask Alexa uh, about that.
0: I was actually uh, terrified if I said the word Alexa and like mine would pop up in the background <laughs> and we'd have to somehow edit it because right. it's actually really kind of creepy. But at the same time, I have nothing to hide. So I'm like, whatever, like Amazon, right. Google, like I, they, all well, know they, they already
1: know everything all about us. They, right? know, they know more about us, about us than... Than our, uh, then we know ourselves, so which is uh,
0: something to be worried about because like they're you know the advertising is so smart it's like you sometimes there's products that they think you should do and you look at it and you, you get into a Facebook feed or something you're like oh that's yeah. sweet like yeah. funny how that popped up and it's like exactly. all of a sudden they the AI is chuckling in the background like got him.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I've got, uh, the groups, I know you're a part of them. I I'm actually a part of your group, but for anyone that does not know your group that is listening from my show, one, I I love what you're doing and you've got, you actually do a much better job than I do of like presenting headlines and kind of what's going on. And that's really what I love about your group. Tell people about your group or your show, what you're doing so they can hear it. And and I strongly encourage everyone on my side of of the table here listening to to subscribe to your show because we do talk about similar things but we have very different viewpoints on how we get to there being a doctor and a planner um it's it's two different sides of that uh, table and i think that's the cool part of where we merge but let everyone know what you're up yeah. to yeah
1: yeah so i'd taken a little bit of a break from the podcast for the last few months but i'm back motivated and ready to go so with the podcast um i do talk a lot about some financial tips and things like that general financial ideas but i'm also a little bit more talking about other issues for physicians too like uh, you know you talked about burnout and then one of the things that I'm trying to do this year uh, is, is highlight physicians who are in uh, alternative practice models and, and you know, who are either in private practice that started those practices or have gotten something out of completely the realm that we are normally seeing. And, and, and so to kind of use those to inspire other physicians. I'll give you an example. I just talked to Dr. Rachna Patel. She's a medical marijuana expert. And it's a topic that a lot of people have been talking about. But she went into it a few years ago when it was still a little bit more nebulous. And now she's developed a full practice consulting business out of it. It was fascinating. I talked to her for like an hour and a half, and it's it's a really cool story. And I'm you know looking for other physicians, uh, and I've talked to a few, but I'm you know looking for other physicians who are kind of going outside of the norm. And so I think those kind of things are hopefully will inspire physicians. A to know that there's things that are out there that are not talked about in medical school, not just the financial side, but avenues of, of practice that may be more fulfilling, whether they're more lucrative or not is is irrelevant, but just maybe that would help them combat the burnout. Um, and then just be more fulfilled in their life. Because I think if you have a, a more fulfilling professional life, that leads into the rest of your life. They all intermix. And then with the uh, Dr. Money Matters group, it's just, you know, we talk about Financial issues that a lot of uh, you, you talk about in your group, the physician finance group, a lot of groups. But then I also talk a lot about headlines that are affecting physicians, uh, you know, bringing a New York Times article about something. And then, you know, there'll be a discussion about I, I don't agree with that or, or yeah, this is a good way to go. Like uh, one of the recent ones, I think, was about costs of medicines and how they've been attributed to uh, some tie in with physicians being uh, given speaking fees from pharmaceutical companies and things like that. And so people will say, well, that never happened to me. I never got, and I'm as a radiologist. No one ever's, ever pays me for any meals or anything like that. But, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of controversy about those kind of things. And I, I like to see the feedback amongst various doctors. Um, but you don't have to be a physician to be in the group. Uh, a lot of spouses are in the group and things like that. But we're looking, you know, about just kind of bringing ourselves together and getting a better picture of our of the physician and the healthcare community with a financial lens to it, I guess. But the group is growing, and uh, I encourage everyone to join the group. And, uh, you know, it's funny uh, about the podcast. I was just reading something about podcasts. There's a misnomer that says when you subscribe to a podcast, a lot of people think you actually have to pay for it. No, it's free. Uh, my podcast is free. Ryan's podcast is free. The subscription is just kind of like a, a misnomer. It just means you're going to get the latest episodes. So uh, I encourage everyone listening on both sides to listen to my podcast, to Ryan's podcast. And there's a number of good uh, podcasts out there. And, you know, we're all trying to help our fellow physicians get to a point of financial security. Absolutely.
0: And for my side listening, or really everyone listening, like the new piece of the podcast that you're trying to bring in. With physicians. Like, if you guys are doing something different and you potentially want to be on a show, at least in my group, Trang's in the group, ping him, direct message him. I think that's probably fine. Yeah. And and let him know, like, hey, this is what I'm doing. And if it fits, maybe you can be on on his show. Absolutely. So I love what you're doing. Keep up the great work. I hope everyone liked the dual show. It's kind of uh, our first time really doing uh, this type of back and forth where we know we're dual posting a show, but I had a great time and it's always fun chatting with you. Keep up the great work in, in your group and, you know, thanks so much for being on.
1: Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it.
0: In our journal club, we're going to be discussing an article that was posted on the site DadsMakingSense.com called Taming Your Market Cycle Emotions. And I really liked this article. In it, the author discusses emotions associated with the market cycle, or rather, how not to act irrationally during the major movements within the market, up or down. I quote, It's natural to get caught up in the hype or the sadness, but most experts, or wannabe experts like us, will advise against timing the market, and what really matters is time in the market. If you have a couple of decades left before retirement, then worrying about the ups and downs of today doesn't really matter, and it's hard to tell your brain to avoid the headlines. Wow, we've we've chatted on that quite a bit here on the show. What I really like about this article, though, is it's reassuring and identifies the emotions in play so that we can recognize that, yes, I am feeling this way, and so are other people. I mean, who wouldn't want to be reassured by Newton's law of physics, right? Okay, I'm kind of joking here, but there is a, you know, quote, predictable pattern with time being the only variable that is never the same. And that predictable pattern is the market cycles. And when we understand the market cycle and we can identify how it affects our emotions, we can calm ourselves and that'll ultimately let us make better overall decisions the article has a really rational voice and that's hard to do in writing. It guides us through a downward spiral in a market and basically allows us to tie a knot and hang on. And if you've got 20 years left for retirement, there, there is an answer for that. And if you're just about ready to retire or retired, there's also an answer for that too. And the article goes into this and I love it. It also points out though, the sequence of return risk. And I've talked about this with Physician on Fire on a previous show. What happens with the sequence of return risk when you're planning for your retirement? And if you plan for this sequence of returns and how it could affect you, it'll help ease any possible future panic. In my experience, I see investors, whether young or old, letting their emotions overcome their common sense. And it's even more prevalent when they have years left to ride out a, the particular roller coaster of the market. Making a move when you're in panic mode on anything is never a good thing. And I think that this blog is a good reminder to calm down and move forward deliberately. So it was an excellent article, and I will make sure that I link to this in the show notes at financialresidency.com. Well, that was a really fun episode with Dr. Turing Patel, and I hope you guys enjoyed the Journal Club as well as our interview. And here are some things that I'd like you to think about. Dr. Patel talked about whether you want to reach the retire early part of FIRE, and he discusses the steps to reach either of the goals, financial independence or financial independence and retire early. However, he discusses that why you might want to reach the financial independence, but not necessarily choose to retire early. He indicates that part of the reason is the time and energy spent over all those years To reach your peak in your career and become the best physician you can be.
1: Why would you want to give that up? Because that's when you're really starting to become the best doctor. You know, my take is, if you want to retire, that's great. I personally am not planning on doing that. I want to continue my medical career, but maybe doing it more on my own terms.
0: I also point out the sad side that I see in the FIRE movement. Sometimes I view the FIRE movement as kind of sad where it's people trying to escape their current life because they made maybe a series of bad decisions to get there or just went through life without a plan, without some goal, uh, goal planning, if, if you will, you know, and then all of a sudden woke up and was like, oof, I hate my life. We discussed some topics that we feel new attendings may have a harder time in grasping. The significance of the topics we have, they have a very real impact on your future wealth. And those topics really stem from lifestyle creep, which is the sudden rise in income combined with an overindulgence or even the decision to become extremely frugal and either could turn into a future crisis. And that really kind of leads us into the, the discussion around the behavioral finance side of managing your life and your finances by deciding what you really want to experience.
1: I see a, a movement now amongst the fire community as a whole to be ultra frugal. I kind of find that a little bit off-putting myself just because life is short. At some point, you got to enjoy the journey, not just always looking for the destination.
0: Dr. Patel and I talk about what happens when all the well-defined milestones that you have to meet to become an attending physician suddenly come to an end and you're on a path that becomes pretty ambiguous. This is when you need to think beyond reaching the next milestone and decide what will bring you the ultimate in happiness now.
1: Now there's no longer that, okay, I need to reach for something. You're pretty much there. You're at that peak now of your physician skills, your earnings, things like that. But a lot of them are starting to look outside for different challenges.
0: So what about you guys? Have you decided a plan for early retirement? Are you planning on for the full fire? Is your current level of frugality sustainable? Some of you are like, frugality, huh? Or are you guys just pinching pennies until they scream? Which is definitely not us, but some of you maybe. And the most important question of all, are you guys enjoying the journey? I hope this show has helped you at least start thinking differently and help you start thinking on how you'd actually like to reach all of your goals, including fire, if that was your choice. So for a quick community update, you have all heard our first Friday show where we highlight someone in our community and help answer some of their financial questions. If you would like to have an assessment done on air, head over to financialresidency.com slash form, F-O-R-M, and make sure to follow all the instructions, including leaving us a voicemail. We are prioritizing the ones that have left us voicemails. So if you've filled out the form but you didn't do the voicemail, please make sure to go back and to do that. Don't skip that step because we again are prioritizing those that left us voicemails so we can hear from all of you. And it's not us reading out your financial health assessment. I got another little thing to tell you guys. And while you won't see the end product for several more months, I can tell you that I'm really excited to let you in on this secret. We have just signed with an editor and a publisher for our book. More to come, but get excited because it's happening. I am super pumped that you have decided to take some time out of your day to listen to me just yap about finances. It's my passion, and I know I get more than a little nerdy about it. But this information is for you, and I'm just happy to be the messenger. While I'm honored to have you here with me, I can't give you any specific advice on your financial situation through the show. So consult an attorney, a CPA, Or shoot, reach out to me, a fee-only financial planner, before you go and make any big money decision. It's just the smart thing to do. Next week, we're going to have a really fun show with the frugal physician. She's going to help us define whether we're being frugal or just being cheap. And I think it's a really fun, laid-back show, and I think you guys are all going to enjoy listening to it.
1: Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Until next time, cheers.